The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh. This is Bobby Okereke, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. Wow. All right. Well, guys, the Indianapolis Colts have tied with the Houston Texans to kick off the 2022 year. Uh, Pretty disappointed here on the Blue Stable Podcast, but nonetheless, we are here back at it again with post-game analysis for every single one of you. I am Michael Pivia, as always, producer, content coordinator for the Blue Stable. Joined by me, as always, Marcus, a.k.a. Culture Shock, man. Uh, golly, h- how do you feel? You know, the 2020 tie, uh, does this count as, you know, breaking the eight-year the eight curse? Um, I would say yes. It's a slow progression. Um, it's not a loss. It's just a tie. Um, we still have a chance to make the playoffs, depending on the outcome of other teams. But it's better than an L. But we should have won. But it's better than an L. Yeah. If if there was a moral victory to take away from this, I don't even count it as a moral victory. But essentially, in the division standings, a tie is better than a loss. So if you come head to head with the Titans on a tie at the end of the year and we have a tie within the division and they don't they have a loss we would get that uh we we would get that bump up they we would uh be uh ranked above them so that's the only positive really that can come out of this day ah oh, man let, let let's talk about it guys the Colts started off week 1 oh man i'm like still trying to process everything but you know y'all know how we do it just like we did last year we're doing it again this year what we liked what we didn't like from this game uh Rashad you you wearing anything special I'm obviously wearing my home field apparel for the shoe I got my uh high school here the belt and tigers got them repping them in this one what you repping uh culture shock is wearing a blue tank top oh okay who, by the who right are name. you wearing who by who it's just nike 
Hey, Nike. All right, best uh, best sports apparel out there. All right, I'm a, a Nike owner myself. So other than that, guys, we are going to start off this show with what we liked, what we didn't like. Sorry, I'm trying to fight back these allergies right now. But first, we're going to start with this game was something I didn't like was the offensive line. Marcus, start, start us off there, man. What, what did you see from the offensive line in this game? Uh, a lot of inconsistency, um, starting from the beginning. A lot of pressure being forced on Matt Ryan to do some bad throws and, you know, some inexcusable things. Now, of course, Matt Ryan could have did something else, but uh, the offensive line was just flat-out terrible uh, at the beginning of the game. Like, no protection whatsoever. They even tried to put in Big Mo uh, to, as a tight end to try to get the blocking to improve, but it just didn't help at all. And you can see the defensive line unit that we mentioned in the preview, the defense for the Houston Texans could – you know, they can have some type of upbringing because that's the, that's what I trusted the most off the Texans was their run defense. And they showed up and showed out and they did their thing. Jerry Hughes that we mentioned, Kersky, uh, Kruger Hill, Jalen Petrie, he was out there. Stingley had a few flashes. But in general, the offensive line just did not was just not consistent, consistent enough in my of my liking. I mean, they did improve towards the end of the game, but it was just too late in my opinion as well. But it's just something you can't have going into week two. Of course, we praised this whole preseason mantra of, oh, have the starters play more snaps so they can get consistent enough for week one. Well, guess what? Newsflash, they still was not as good as they were supposed to be. So I feel like that was just a waste of time, in my opinion. I didn't like the offensive line. Yeah, um, I was looking at this earlier. Obviously, $80 million guaranteed to Quentin Nelson just last night. Saturday night is when they locked up Quentin Nelson he got the big payday. He is now the highest paid guard in NFL history. $20 million annually. Ryan Kelly, over here making $40 million. Braden Smith got his extension last year in training camp. Another $80, $60 million. And that's the performance you got from Ryan Kelly, from Braden Smith. Braden Smith had a horrible day, Marcus. He had a horrible day getting worked against Jerry Hughes, allowed four pressures, allowed a sack, didn't really get too much blocking when they tried going zone right side with Jonathan Taylor. He wasn't keeping his containment. He wasn't getting his guy on the outside where he was supposed to be, getting beat too many times, and I just did not like what I saw from him at all. Danny Pinter, I thought, had a solid day. Uh, you know, got beat a little bit a few times inside, Ryan Kelly got beat a few times. Quentin Nelson, I think, held his own, his own a little bit. And then the all left tackle position, the, that, that was weird what was going on with that. You know, Matt Pryor starts. They're subbing in Ryman in, in the second quarter. They're subbing him in for a couple plays. And then Matt Ryan comes back, or uh, Matt Pryor comes back. Ryman was only in the game for two snaps. And then Pryor comes back. And then the next drive, Pryor is gone. Ryman is in. What are you doing? What, what, like... I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. Are they juggling the left tackle snaps? Are they doing anything like that? What is the purpose of that? You know, I, I thought Matt Pryor was having an okay game. I didn't think it was bad enough to where he needed to be benched or part-time benched, I guess. I don't know how I want to explain that. But uh, I just uh, – it, it was – offensive line in general, it just wasn't up to par, and you need to be better in that uh, situation. You saw the decline last year. Nelson was struggling. Kelly was struggling. Smith was struggling. 
obviously, you know what you had at left tackle and Eric Fisher, and then your right guard, Mark Glasgow, or uh, Glowinski, sorry. It it just, this decline continues to keep going. But uh, they did end up having a better day in the fourth quarter, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Play calling and decision-making, I thought could have been better in some areas. Obviously, the biggest one is going to be going for it on fourth down and not kicking the field goal in the second quarter. That was that was idiotic to me at, at that point. If you're on the road, then I believe in kicking the field goal right there. If you're at home, you got you got the uh, crowd behind you. They're not going to be as loud in that far end zone. You, you got everything going your way. But on the road, Frank Reich decides to go for it on fourth and goal and not take the points. How different would this game have been if he just took the points? How different would it have been, Marcus, in the fourth quarter if you just took those points right there in the second quarter? Uh, it would have made a huge difference. But now the question is, would he have made the field goal with this outcome that we've just seen? We go to what if what if he would have not made the field goal? We would have been in the same pickle because you can start it. I've noticed the trend with Hot Rod when it comes to kicking is like when at the kickoff, even on the kickoffs after we'll kick a field goal or they'll score a touchdown. Hot Rod kicked the ball out of bounds twice, so there was two red flags going into the fourth quarter and going into overtime when he kicked the ball out of bounds twice. That something wasn't right. So, I mean, definitely agree. We could take the points when we have to. But Coach Frank, over the years, we've kind of noticed how aggressive he is on fourth downs. So I kind of wasn't even disappointed at the moment until after it happened, especially with us losing. It was like, all right, well, we know he's probably going to go for it here. So, I mean, he did. He didn't convert. Just draw up a better game plan at the end of the day. Um, it's not about going for it or not. It's just drawing up the perfect game plan with an offensive-minded guy like Coach Frank. Right? You just have to do better. It's, it's just as simple as that. And speaking of the play call, the play call that they went with was a wildcat with Naheem Hines. What the hell? I thought you would have drew drawn something up, something else that was creative. Obviously, in that situation, you know it's going to go to Jonathan Taylor. And if it's in wildcat, who else is it going to? Like, are, are we serious? We didn't do a fade with Michael Pittman. We didn't get anything underneath, like a mesh route or a smash route, anything like that. We didn't draw anything up. So, that play call was probably one of the worst play calls I've ever seen Frank Wright go with. I've ever seen it. Um, just going with the run game, not opening up the pass game enough in the first half, because you saw already in the first quarter, Marcus, 10 carries for Jonathan Taylor already in the first quarter. You were clearly trying to establish the run, and it was not getting established. I would have liked if you just saw that it wasn't working, go with the pass to set up the run. And, and that's not what Frank Reich did. He didn't do it. And he had some success going with Michael Pittman. Why did you just not, why did you stop going there? Is, it, you know, he just confused me with this game. Again, not going for the three, not taking the easy three points. And my, man, I am using easy very loosely right there. Uh, but what was it? What, what Blankenship missed what in overtime? He missed a 42-yard yeah, field goal? 45. I think I 40, 45. That field goal, if they would have went for it, would have been 26 yards. And if he can't make that, Jesus, no, nah, uh-uh. He, he can't – he don't have a job at all. Uh, but I thought the play calling and decision-making, it could have it, it been a little bit better in that area. Uh, with the lack of separation from the offense, obviously early on, 
the Colts were going to Pittman. They were going to Hines. They were going to Taylor. They weren't really going anywhere else. And the purpose of that was because nobody was getting separation. That's just, that's just what it comes down to. Pierce was not getting separation. Doolin was not getting separation. Campbell, Strong. Strong had a catch early on. I believe it was on the uh, second drive when they went down and got the field goal first. But other than that, not a lot of people, not a lot of guys, a lot of guys were getting uh, separation. So what did you see from the lack of separation with these guys? Because it clearly put handcuffs on the offense, what they were able to do in the passing game. Yeah, man, the lack of separation was a problem that we've seen all training camp and preseason. So when they step out here against the Texans and you got a, a veteran guy on the opposite side like Steven Nelson, he's going to put them hands on you and he's going to press you. And he played a very solid job against all of our wide receivers. Derek Stanley even had a few snaps against Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman Jr. And he's shown his flashes even in the red zone. Everyone was talking about, oh, Doolin dropped the pass. Oh, Alec Pierce dropped the pass, but no one's giving credit to the defensive-minded coach in Lovey Smith and what he had set up for that defense. Like, like I said, the defense was going to be a huge question going into this game anyway because that's going to be centered around the Houston Texans. If they see any type of success, most of it's going to come out of that defense. And uh, like I said, the, the wide receiver separation, we need a veteran wide receiver. We mentioned this a while ago. It do not have to be T.Y. Hilton. It just has to be somebody in general. And it just showed today a young team that's been struggling since training camp, trying to get separation, has still has that problem going into week one. And, you know, I mean, it's something we're just going to have to deal with. Yeah, uh, I, I do like you giving credit to Lovey Smith there. We do forget he is one of the better defensive minds in the history of the NFL. Uh, just given that, you know, my issue isn't just so much with how they performed, but what they've been touted as. Chris Ballard has come out here and defended this room since last year, his end-of-year press conference. Oh, I like the receiver room that we have, you know. I think, you know, you still got to, you know, all, all this freaking bull crap that he just keeps spewing out to us. He doesn't need to go to free agency to find help. He can go to the draft, man. I'm over the draft. I'm over it. Like, like how much do we have to put on a rookie? That's what we put on Alec Pierce today, to be the number two guy. And, you know, that drop in the end zone, the touchdown, I can forgive that, but that's literally the only one that I can forget because that was going to be his first NFL touchdown. Nerves, jitters, you know, I, I, I've never been a rookie in the NFL, as a, especially as a pass catcher. I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know what you're feeling in that moment when that ball is in the air and you see the realization, I'm about to get my first touchdown. I can forgive that one, and that is the only one that I'm going to forgive all year. But, again, it still stays true. We have been told all offseason that this room has what it takes, that this room is good. I'm very confident in this wide receiver room per Chris Ballard. And they come out and played like that. That's my issue. You know, Lovey Smith and, and, and all that, that matters too. They played well, but when it comes to the end of it, we are better than them, and that's not what showed. That's not. You know, Matt Ryan did really well adjusting in the second half because they were going a lot of zone, and he started picking his spots in that zone coverage in the second half. So the lack of separation was just – it's annoying because, Marcus, you know what we've been told all offseason. You know what we've been led to believe all offseason, and it doesn't show up. So I'm kind of wondering, when is it going to show up? Because we keep being told, hey, they like it. 
Uh, we can't rely on Paris Campbell to be two or three, yet he was two or three coming into the season. Alec Pierce is a rookie. What are we really expecting from him? I just don't know. Uh, it wasn't off to a great start. It is week one. Still got a lot of football left to be played. But I was very uh, underwhelmed from what I saw with the pass catchers of the Indianapolis Colts. Also continuing the segment of what we didn't like, pass rush. Whoo, man, pass rush. Marcus, when the Texans were going down, getting three points, 10 points, 17 points, do you remember Davis Mills being put on his behind at all? Not one second. I've seen one hit with Grover Stewart, but he still completed the play, and it was like Grover Stewart hit him just a second too late. Um, Still an issue with the pass rush, getting to the quarterback. Again, they stepped up in the second half. Whoever had a pregame speech in the locker room or anything need to be at the beginning of the game speeches because whatever they did, just something clicked at the at the second half. It was like, all right, let's go get him. Even Yannick, he got some tackle for losses in the second half. So I don't know what, what transition or, you know, what happened, but whoever is holding those speeches or doing something in that locker room in the second half to get them to wake up needs to do it in the first half because it's the same cycle we've seen last year. You know, the pass rush, if one side's cooking, the other side just disappears. It's just a repeating cycle for the Colts. And, you know, we're sick of it at this point because we got the help that we needed in the offseason and something's still not working. So we even switched defensive coordinators and we still have the same problem. So I don't know what's going on with the pass rush. Like, again, they stepped up in the second half, but it needs to be all four quarters at this point because we can't just keep having this when we play a good team. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now. No hurries, no quarterback hits for your pass rush duo in Yannick Ngakwe and DeForest Buckner, which is which is you just need better from that position because, I mean, those are your million-dollar guys. You gave a big contract. DeForest Buckner, you gave up a young corner who you spent a high second-round pick on for Yannick Ngakwe, and you can't even get no hurries, no quarterback hits. Think in total, the Colts had uh, five quarterback hits. Afidio Dangbo with one, obviously Quiddy Pay with two, EJ Speed with one, and I believe the fifth one is going to Bobby Okereke. I believe so. Uh, pass rush just needed to be better. I didn't really see anything up the middle. It looked like DeForest Buckner was still getting doubled. Yannick Ngakwe did have a good matchup today with Laramie Tunsil. He is a very good left tackle, so that was a little bit on the tough side. But 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 again, you you expect things. From Yannick Ngakwe. So the fact we didn't get it today was disappointing. We've been told about this pass rush. Again, pass rush can be electric. Pass rush is, you know, we're looking for it to do what we haven't been able to get it to do for four years. And still didn't do what we needed it to do. I was expecting, what did we talk about on on Friday? That I expect the pass rush to be disrupting timing, timing throws, getting into Davis Mills' face. That's not what they did. Uh, and it showed up. Run defense. You know, I thought the run defense was a little spotty in some areas. Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner getting pushed around a little bit. Byron Coart getting pushed around a little bit, especially him. And, and then on the edges, man, I didn't I didn't think Yannick Ngakwe and Quiddy Pay had the greatest day uh, in the run game as edges. You know, they didn't try to collapse any pockets, any angles or anything. They just got beat. And, you know, they, the, the Texans didn't go crazy for rushing yards. I think their leading guy was Damian Pierce. 14 carries, 49 yards. You know, I, I, I'll take that. But for the most part, when we needed it, we weren't getting off the field on third down. So run game definitely took 
a little bit of a hit, wanted to see a little bit better there. Marcus, uh, the penalties, pe penalties-wise, there was that pass interference right there by Kenny Moore. Twice. And, huh? Twice. Twice. Uh, yeah. One of them, I believe, the first one, which allowed them to get into field goal range. I kind of agreed with it. You know, the angle that I got on my TV, Kenny Moore was clearly holding the dude's guy. I think it was Chris Conley. He was clearly holding his left arm, uh, you know, preventing his ability to make the jump and catch, and that that's interfering with the pass. So uh, that's the angle that I saw that I got. Marcus, did you see anything else there? Uh, I believe it was Conley or Chris Moore. I, I don't know which one it is, but Moore was very active this week, so – I don't know which one, but uh, it's like a ticky-tack call, in my opinion. The flag that set up uh, O.J. Howard's first touchdown, that was the play, the first flag. Uh, it was a ticky-tack call, but it's like Kenny Moore, he's probably uh, – he's a pro bowler. Like, you you should know these things, especially going into week one on the road. Like, of course, it's not everything's not going to go your way. It felt like I was watching Rocky Sin rookie year all over again. Uh, it's like I thought we got over this hurdle, and you would expect this flag to be from somebody else. And not Kenny Moore. Why is he back there by himself on an island? Like I said, we did trust him. But, I mean, it was the same cycle going over and over again. Like, the penalties. It's like, what, what are we doing? Like, I didn't understand it at all. But it definitely was the first penalty to set up O.J. Howard's touchdown. Yeah. Uh, the Penalties-wise... I don't think the Colts had a lot. I, I know there was a first down that they got that the the drive ended up becoming a punt. You know, they, they were going to uh, get a first down, but it had to be called back because Quentin Nelson, ineligible player downfield, had to be brought back, ended up getting no more yards, and he had to eventually punt on that drive. So penalties-wise, I think the Colts had kind of a clean day. We're going to get into a couple of uh, penalties right now that has to do with this next segment, the kicking game, and obviously those two penalties at the end of the fourth quarter from Rodrigo Blankenship, man. Uh, it's time to get him out. It's time to get him out. If you have been a question mark for, well, now going into, what, three years, I think it's time that you get rid of him. If he's been this much of a question mark, he was a question mark coming out of 2020. He was a question mark going into 2021 he was a question mark coming out of 2021 and he is a question mark going into 2022 so why is this still a question and why have we not found the answer for it that's my thing this is a chris ballard issue now we're getting into because you didn't want to bring in competition you brought in an undrafted guy really you didn't bring in a vet you didn't bring in anybody and there were some vets out there that you could have brought in and you decided not to remember that he decided not to. He keeps on sticking with what's not working. His philosophy for whatever it is, some of it is working, some of it is not working. And the kicking game is not working. Two, kickoffs, allowing the Texans to start at the 40-yard line. Thank God it was in the fourth quarter and your defense doubled down and they, and they forced them to punt. But then in overtime, 42 yard field goal. I thought, you know, right there, I thought Chris Ballard just, or uh, Frank Wright got a little too complacent with the play calling. He he was play calling like, okay, we're here now, so we can just, you know, let's just go ahead and kick the field goal and let's get over with. No, me personally, I still would have went, went for the touchdown. 
You know, if you have that much of a question mark, right, Marcus? If you have that much of a question mark with Rodrigo Blankenship, wouldn't you continue to play for the touchdown? Why are you getting complacent in going for Rodrigo Blankenship? Why are you putting the game in his hands? Keep your standards up. I, I, that, that was just questionable to me. What, what are your thoughts on Rodrigo, man? Is he gone by tomorrow or Tuesday? He should be gone right now. Uh, the game's over. I'm pretty sure they're done with the pressers and everything. Um, but I mean, it's unfortunate how Rod, man, like he had his moments. He even won his kicking camp, uh, as his kicking battle in training camp. How I, I have no clue, but uh, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I mean, we're putting too much pressure. I mean, we're putting too much into this whole kicking situation because it shouldn't be that difficult. Um, you're set on the field every now and then. I mean, the most of the most of the pressure is on you to, you know, get three or like things like that nature. But to win the game, something you do all your life is kicking the football. I mean, you should be able to nail these. I've seen kickers hit 60 and 70 yards in warmups, even in training camp. Freaking Justin Reed's kicker right now. He plays free safety for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I don't understand how how someone like this who's been kicking all life can just struggle, especially just winning it out in the in the battle. And now you're about to lose your job. It's very unfortunate, but I I just can't fathom over how how that's so difficult. And look, man, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I'm like an expert in in, in kickers or anything or how that operation goes. W- what is the deal with Rodrigo? Like, even if you go back to his uh, time at Georgia. He made a 58-yard field goal in the Rose Bowl. He won the award of the best kicker in college football. 58-yard field goal in the Rose Bowl. 55-yard field goal in the Rose Bowl. 47-yard field goal in the SEC championship game. Where has his power gone? And that 58-yarder in the Rose Bowl could have been made from 65. That's how much power he had into it. Where has all that gone? Where has it gone? Did he get weaker? Is he not going to the gym? Is he is he just playing around with freaking Legos all day and not getting squats in or something? Is he not on the bicycle? Is he what like what is it? Like I want to know what is it? I'm not saying this to be funny or sarcastic or anything. I want to know what the problem is because I saw him nail, drill easily 58-yard field goals, field goals at Georgia and he can't even make a freaking 42-yarder. Struggled to make a 31-yarder last year. What is the issue? What is it? Do we need to stop coming to practice and Bubba Ventron just meet him somewhere at a hill in Denver and just say, bike your ass up to the top and don't come back until you reach the top and come back down? Get that, get some power in those legs. I don't know what it is, but I'm done with it. Kicking should not be a problem for any team in the NFL. I don't care if you got to put more money into them if you got to steal someone from the the LA Galaxy or Austin FC or whoever go get Chicharito from the freaking LA Galaxy and and tell him no world cup for you this year in Mexico you're in the NFL what what is the issue with the kicking game it should not be an issue marcus what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with shopify Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be an issue, but I just can't get over that Lego reference. That was pretty funny, and I just knew he was going to say something. But, yeah, it shouldn't. Like, uh, I just don't get it. Uh, a guy, like I said, kicking all his life. Maybe an injury from last year has something to do with it. But, I mean, if if that's the case, I mean, just get just get rid of him. There's a kicker at any moment, even a kicker on YouTube. Somebody can kick a 42-yard field goal to win you a game. Um, even Pat McAfee can do it. Hey, maybe you can do it, but like I said, this shouldn't be an issue moving forward. If you got to get rid of him, do it now. Uh, get another kick. He's easy to replace. Anybody can kick a 42-yarder. Um, so you should see kick and tryouts starting tomorrow or maybe Tuesday, uh, but definitely feel like he's going to get replaced soon. Yeah, I, I really expect, you know, that tweet from Joel Erickson or Zach Kiefer tomorrow on Monday that the Colts brought in so-and-so for, for a tryout. That that if if I don't see that tweet, man, what are you doing, Chris Bauer? Why are you sitting on your hands? You know, this is just a matter of if he can do it or not. It's a pretty it's a pretty straight to the point thing. All right. So other than that, guys, that's really a lot of what we didn't like uh, with the Colts and Texans today. We're going to get into some positives that we did like. What kind of positives were those? Well, they're positives but they got little you know asterisks next to them you know but uh let's start with Matt Ryan I thought you know he was solid really in the fourth quarter Matt Ryan I thought you know here's a guy that you know I'm not trying to be Chris Collinsworth but here's a guy that you traded for that's played a lot of football that has 42 career game winning drives he's been an MVP you know what he can do you didn't have the confidence in Carson Wentz last year you didn't have the confidence in Jacoby Brissett that you have in Matt Ryan to win you something in the fourth quarter. When it's all said and done in the fourth quarter, can this guy do something? He ended up scoring 17 points in the fourth quarter. That is, that's astronomical. That is big. 17 points. Obviously, there was help uh, from an EJ Speed strip sack that allowed the Colts with great field position. Matt Ryan showed in the fourth quarter that he can do what, what he needs to do to win a game. Uh, and this is really just the fourth quarter I'm, I'm harping on about Matt Ryan. I thought, you know, for just, I know it's a tie and the third quarter was a little rough from him or the, the first three quarters were a little rough from him for him. But I think just moving forward, you should feel good about who you have at quarterback. I, I, I think that's my takeaway from it. And that's really all that I, that I have to say. I thought he took command of the offense. It looked like there at the last end of the at the last drive that he had in the fourth quarter, not overtime, that he actually took away he took over some play calling from from Frank Reich, which we've never seen happen uh, since you know Philip Rivers was here. 
Usually Frank Reich is calling these plays, but from what it looked like to me, Matt Ryan was running the offense. He was initiating because obviously they were in hurry up mode. So that was a good uh, plus, but it's a positive and it's something that I liked because it makes me feel good about what we could possibly do moving forward. Yeah, uh, definitely. Matt Ryan uh, held himself accountable for the mistakes he's made earlier in the game. And you've seen players like uh, former Colts quarterbacks, Carson Wentz of the of the world and that nature. If they throw one turnover, they try to get themselves in their own head and feel like, oh, maybe I need to do this and try to play hero ball of these things. But Matt Ryan stayed composed, uh, even with no offensive line help throughout the game. He threw 50 attempts, but he still was putting the pressure on the defense. And we mentioned how the offensive line improved in the second half. You started to see wide open targets like an Aston Doolin just sitting there waiting for the football to get to him because Matt Ryan identifying the defense and understanding what they're doing and how they're setting up in the zone. He just picked them every other possession and he drove down the field. And what do you know, after they started doing that, you get them handoffs from Jonathan Taylor and he gives you seven yards per carry and he started dominating and then he scores in the end zone. So I love what I've seen from Matt Ryan, the flashes. Of course, he still has some plays like when he overthrew Ashton Doolin, it could have been a big gain of that nature. He had some of those plays as well, but we cannot put the full blame on him of why we lost because he's shown you the potential of what the offense can be if he had three more seconds of protection from the offensive line. Absolutely, absolutely. And guys, if you're loving the show so far, we would love that if you gave us a like, a thumbs up, make sure you subscribe to the Blue Stable and make sure you turn on the notification bell. That way you are up to date and notified anytime we drop a video on our YouTube page as well as we bring you coverage of the Indianapolis Colts for the entirety of the 2022 season. Let's get into uh, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman as the, you know, the middle part of this segment of what we liked. Jonathan Taylor, 31 carries, 161 yards, and one touchdown. Obviously, he helped a lot of people's fantasy teams today. Michael Pittman, nine receptions, nine catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Clearly, those were your two guys that you expected big things from. That's uh, what they gave you. Me personally, man, 31 carries, I don't love it. I do not love it. I, I've said it all offseason. I don't want to become the Titans. I don't want to become so reliant on the running game. And you saw it in the first half. Frank Reich would gas this thing. And I mentioned earlier in the show, he would gas the run game. You got Michael Pittman involved early. Obviously, that touchdown, man. You know, that out route, catching it, cutting it back in and going in for the touchdown. That was such a great play. Rookie Michael Pittman does not make that catch, obviously, working with Reggie Wayne, understanding where you are, having a feel for the game and where your defender is, is working very well. Uh, real quick, a note for the receivers. We've talked about how much help does Matt Ryan need, how much, who needs to back up Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman today was targeted. He was targeted 13 times. 13 times he was targeted. He caught the ball nine times. Do you want to know who the second leader in targets was was it Dula? Naheem Hines a running back Nahe, uh, Ashton Doolin was tied with six let, let me oh, correct okay. that he had six so really your running backs behind your wide receiver one your two running backs were leading you in targets but until those final two drives in the fourth quarter when Campbell got going when Doolin got going 
that's what it was. So clearly it is established. Michael Pittman is the guy. He helped out my fantasy team, gave me 27 points. Thank you. Uh, but not really much we need to go off of. Jonathan Taylor got uh got going a little slow. He was at 10 for 48, but to finish with 31 for 161, we all know Derrick Henry, Henry would have went like 31 for 100. He didn't go for 161 like Jonathan Taylor. So uh, any takeaways? You know, Jonathan Taylor got going in the fourth quarter, obviously gassed out the defense, got the pass game going. It was a good sign, but again, I, I still want to – I don't want 31 carries every week. I, I really don't. I, I really don't. I I prefer to stay away from that. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor being the workhorse, of course. Uh, Coach uh, Frank Reich's golden boy, definitely going to overuse him, I feel like, this year. But, I mean, to be honest, there was a few plays in the first half when Jonathan Taylor had to see him and just didn't hit it. Um Definitely don't understand that, but he did starting to hit his stride a little bit at the end. Um, so I was never really worried about Jonathan Taylor's production. It was basically on the game plan of what you're going to do to get him his big runs. I mean, we had three plays straight with just running the football. And then, you know, offensive line is not helping the pass protection. So Lovey Smith's like, oh, they might give it to Jonathan Taylor here. So let's double down and send the blitz. I mean, and they were doing it. They were stuffing Jonathan Taylor. But until that offensive line started to click, and we started getting that pass game going, and you see guys like Michael Pittman Jr. getting involved, and then he's scoring. It just opens it up for Jonathan Taylor. So I think our offense should be oriented around passing and then letting Jonathan Taylor hit the seams whenever the offense, well, whenever the defense is starting to get into pass coverages. So, I mean, like I said, Jonathan Taylor had a good game for Michael Pittman Jr. He's shown flashes as well. But let's try to get more people involved on the offense and not just them two so we don't be one-way dimensional. Yeah, nothing too surprising from what we saw. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr., those two look like they are they could potentially be, well, Pro Bowls. You know what Jonathan Taylor is. Michael Pittman looking to assert himself in the Pro Bowl conversation amongst the wide receivers in the NFL. So that was good stuff there. Shout out to the other guys uh, that were – struggling in the game like we mentioned earlier struggle to separate but in the fourth quarter when we were making the comeback Campbell dueling Granson making plays getting open making the catches um to Ashton Doolin's drop touchdown pass it was a play by it was a play by the DB but I do you know revert back to Michael Pittman's touchdown against the Jets last year in the end zone remember he caught it took three steps in the end zone but the ball was punched out uh, he took three steps and he clearly had control with his two hands because he's Michael Pittman, of course. Ashton Doolin, the, the catch didn't look too firm. Uh, he got two feet in bounce, but I thought you could have given that a look. Uh, I, I only saw it live. I saw the replay. Haven't looked at it a few more times. So, uh, you know, can't crucify him for that. But shout out to those guys for making the plays that they did, mounting the comeback. And then our last one is I'm going to give a huge shout out here, man. I know you'll appreciate this. I'll appreciate this. Hopefully the people out there will appreciate this for the first time in four years. The Colts defense didn't allow a single point in the fourth quarter. Marcus, this is the only thing I'm truly getting excited for in this game. Everything is going wrong. You see that your offense just went down and scored. Now the defense says, okay, Time to buckle down. Time to double down, make plays, and let's start getting this thing going and get the ball back for the defense. And that's exactly what they did, man. 
the coverage was solid. You know, Stephon Gilmore had a couple good uh, coverage snaps against Brandon Cooks, forcing the uh, Texans to punt. You had the coverage from the linebackers, the pass rush. Shout out Quiddy Pay. Also, two sacks in the fourth quarter when we needed them the most. I don't think you could ask more from what the defense did because remember in past years when, oh, well, the offense isn't giving them any help. You know, what do you expect them to do? That's not what this defense said. They didn't say, oh, fourth quarter, 23, let's just give it up, man. No, they didn't say that. They doubled down. They made stops. They got pressure going. Blitzes started ramping up. Coverage got stickier. That's what you like to see in your defense, regardless of what the outcome is. And this one was a tie. It wasn't a loss. It wasn't a win. But a tie, I would prefer a tie more than a loss. The fact that the defense showed that they can step up when we need them the most, I came away encouraged from, okay? They did get beat quite a few times. Kenny Moore, like you said, has is really on a decline right now. You know, he had that bad game against Vegas, had the horrible game against Jacksonville, comes back week one this season and has another horrible game. Kind of concerned with that right now. But my main takeaway is that when we needed it the most, the Colts defense shut out the Texans in the fourth quarter and overtime. That is a good sign for the defense moving forward. I loved it. Yeah, I, I loved it as well. The defense definitely stepped up besides, you know, the whole first three quarters with the uh, with the kicking penalty when they, when they tried to get a punt block. That penalty that set them up for another first down. And, you know, besides Kenny Moore and all of these things. But the defense definitely shown you a few lights. And another thing to take credit for is that they did all of this without their main guy, Shaquille Leonard, which is a huge bonus going forward into uh, the few weeks up ahead when he comes back. And they did all of these things. Zaire stepping into his role. EJ Speed stepped in, and he did it. They just tried to find that guy. Who's going to be the guy to change, to make a change? And it was a special teams guy. And it's a huge bonus moving forward. Even Stephon Gilmore had a few breakups at the end of the play. Garden heavy on Brandon Cooks. And I might add, he should have been on Brandon Cooks the whole game. But that's just another part of another story. He should have been on the same side as him because he played good coverage. But they had a few holes at the beginning with Nico Collins and all these things. Kenny Moore had a, he had a decent play when Nico Collins caught that sideline catch when it shouldn't when it wasn't even intended for him. Uh, it was a good play, but the defense definitely stepped up in the set, in the fourth quarter, and it is a good thing. But we all I think we all knew that the best part of this team is the defense going into the season, and they're just showing that for sure. Yeah, I think if you have a very young offense like the Colts do at their position group, their uh, skill position groups, I think it's important to have a defense that you can rely on, especially if it takes them a game to kind of get in a groove, get the jitters out, and get used to playing with each other in real time. I think that's important, and and, and I certainly liked it. Of course, like you said, they had back-to-back drives, horrible starting field position on the Texans 40. So the Texans only needed 60 yards instead of your regular 80 to go and get a touchdown. And they didn't even let them pass a midfield. You know, they got past midfield one time, but Quiddy pay got a sack and they went back across their side of the 50. So uh thumbs up to fourth quarter defense, obviously allowing 20 points is 20 points too many. So uh, let's hope the pass rush gets a little bit better for an entire four quarters instead of just the fourth quarter alone. And this brings us to our last question of the show here, man, regarding Frank Reich. 
this is a hot topic, whether he should be fired, uh, what's going on with play calling, but we're not going to get into, you know, firing. You know, this is week one. Teams are going to lose games that they shouldn't. There's going to be some weird performances. No one knows who's good yet. So I'm not going to get into the firing, even though I highly doubt Chris Ballard, Ballard would make a head coaching move midseason. Uh, so here's the question. Should Frank Reich pass the play calling duties down to Marcus Brady? I think it should have been Marcus Brady to begin with when we hired him because he was the quarterback coach and him working with Matt Ryan can definitely adjust the uh, play calling and maybe even take snaps away from Jonathan Taylor. So I do think that uh, when he got promoted, I think he should have been calling the plays to begin with because he knows what he's doing. Uh, and, you know, having Frank Wright make the play calls and then try to be a head coach at the same time is a lot of pressure. I don't think you can control two narratives at the same time as a head coach and an offensive coordinator play caller. Like I said, if you want to do these things, uh, he can't get demoted to offensive coordinator. So maybe in the future we'll see what happens with that scenario. But I think Marcus Brady should have been calling plays since he got hired. Just as simple as that. Absolutely. Obviously, he was the quarterback's coach and got elevated to offensive coordinator when Nick Sirianni took the job as Eagles head coach. Uh, this is something that I've thought about even last year, but obviously we know what Frank Reich did as the offensive coordinator for Philadelphia. He wasn't the play caller there because Doug Peterson was running the play calls there. But I think Frank Reich is one of the better uh, play callers, play designers in the NFL. But I think juggling being a head coach and a play caller is a lot on one person. Uh, for for example, you're playing, you're, you're you're calling plays for the offense, right? So you're oblivious to what's going on on the defense. You're oblivious to what conversations are being had. You're oblivious to the adjustments that are being made. You you don't know any of that. And then when your offense comes off the field, your defense goes on, but you're still talking with your quarterback you're still talking with your offensive analyst you're still on your play sheet talking about discussing what is going to go on the next drive you're not paying attention to the defense you're not making real-time decisions you're not as a head coach your your attention span should be on the whole team I feel like play calling takes his attention away from that a little bit as a leader of men, and this has been talked about, I've seen this on Twitter, as a leader of men, I think he is great. I think he's good. But I think that can be taken up a notch if he didn't have the play calling duties. If that just got away, I feel like, like how the fan base embraces him would be a lot different because this is Marcus Brady's, what, fourth year. He's going mm -hmm. into his fifth year in the system. He was a quarterback coach for, what, three and now he was offensive coordinator last year, first year, and then is offensive coordinator this year. I would think he should. He he knows the system by now. He knows what works. He works with Matt Ryan. I, me personally, and I am actually going to go with this now because after today, I think if you're the head coach, you need to be on all aspects of the game. Let go play calling duties. Pass them down to Marcus Brady. Because as a head coach, if you're prioritizing your attention on the play calling, that could take your attention away from another area of need that needs your attention. And there are some aspects that need it, but you can't focus on it. 
focusing on it in the game is huge. And I think it's better rather than the game already being lost and then going into next week. Okay, this is what we can do better. I feel like those in-game adjustments, those in-game, the process of just being a head coach is better in-game rather than just through the week. That's my take on it. I think I'm ready to see the change, not because I think Frank Reich is bad, not because I think, because these are Frank Reich's plays. It's his plays. Marcus Brady's just going to be calling them. I want to see that change only because I think there's a void that gets left when Frank Reich is focused on just one aspect of the team. That's my take on it. I'm not entirely sure what your guys' take on it. Obviously, if you're on this on YouTube, let us know what you think about the play calling duties. Should they be passed around? Again, I will reiterate, I don't think Frank Reich is a bad play caller, but I do think there are some aspects where it needs a little more attention that he can't give at those moments in time because he's just too focused on if you're going forward on fourth and one, well, first you got to make the decision and then you got to decide, then you got to decide what play is being made. Usually the, the head coach will look to the offensive coordinator, give the nod and the offensive coordinator, bang, he's got it. There's just so many things working in a coach's head that you're just like, it, it just becomes too much at times. I, I am curious, and I would prefer the change. I wouldn't be mad if they don't do it, but something's got to give because now today your decision-making and play calling, in my opinion, cost you. There is no excuse for tying with the Houston Texans. You went for it on fourth and goal instead of taking the points, and you didn't even do anything you know, by design. You just went with the Wildcat. Everyone knows you're running the football, right, Marcus? Yep. Everybody knows. You didn't get creative. You didn't dial anything up. And essentially, I think you cost your team today. Yes, we can talk about Rodrigo missing the kick, obviously. But that decision to not just take the points in a division game on the road, opening the season, that cost you. And I will say, Marcus, if if these things continue, if and I'll even say it again, if the Colts don't win the division, Frank Reich should be fired because at some point the excuses have to stop. The excuses, the finger pointing, the blaming, it has to stop. And tying with the Texans should not be anywhere good enough. You should not get complacent. You should not be okay with that. Oh, we didn't lose, but at least we tied. No, you should treat a tie even worse than a loss. Or at least that's how I've been told, how I've been encouraged to, to, to look at it. It's no better. So as long as your standards are up, man, this game was very frustrating for all of us to watch, man. But what is your opinion on it? Because obviously I want to get yours. Do you like the aspect of doing it? because I know you already said you would like it, but I, I feel like there's just a little bit more that I want to hear from you. Uh, the decision-making to maybe replace his play calling is definitely a thing we should do. Uh, like I said, it's probably too much pressure for Coach Frank. I'm not saying that he can't do it, but I definitely think he could. Uh, just give it up. I mean, it is what it is. 
he's he's definitely a quarterback. He's definitely a player's coach. So him, you know, taking over, letting someone else take over the reins shouldn't be an issue moving forward. But if the same thing happens for maybe three more weeks, uh, I think something needs to happen immediately in the front office. Something has to be done because we can't have the same scenario happen for four years straight, even in the same predicament on fourth, should we go for it or not? And even in crucial moments to win the game, um, the play calling is just stale. So we definitely think, I think Marcus Brady could take over that reign and Coach Frank Wright could maybe be just the, the player's coach and motivator to give us a W moving forward. Yeah, man, there's nothing wrong with that. If this is a pride thing, if this is an ego thing, man, we need to let it go because this can affect the team. And I think it affected it today. You saw it. I think if you take those three points, it is a completely different ball game. Not even, you probably don't even get to overtime, Marcus. You probably don't even get to overtime if you just take those three. So what do you guys think? Should Frank Reich pass out the play calling duties to Marcus Brady? Should he keep them? I'm not really looking for, you know, firing right now because it's just one game. You're not in the hole. It's a tie. A tie is better than a loss, especially in the division. If we're just looking at the bigger picture, but you need to get you, everything needs to get set in motion now because you're playing Jacksonville. Jacksonville looked good today against Washington, Washington. They did take the L, but parts of their game, they look solid. The defense looked okay for the most part. Their offense looks like it can be fun to watch, and we will definitely break that down next week. But other than that, guys, we'll go ahead and wrap it up for this show. Uh, this, this, These were our thoughts from uh, the Colts-Texans. Obviously, the Colts tied with Houston 2020. They start out 0-1, right? 0-0-1. So, it's not a win, it's not a loss, but hey, hopefully we can uh end that streak in Jacksonville next week. Other than that, guys, once again, if you enjoy the Blue Stable, make sure you comment down below, share and subscribe to this channel, and we would definitely appreciate it. We hope you we are your number one source for Colts news and content around the Colts media world, guys. So once again, he is Culture Shock. I am Michael. Let us know down below what you guys think. And let's, let, let's get ready for Jacksonville, man. Let's forget this, and let's hope they bring in a new freaking kicker by next week. All right? You agree, Marcus? Yes, sir. Bring in a new kicker. All right. Well, guys, you heard it here first. New kicker, hopefully. Marcus, you got the job? Would you take it? No, nah, I wouldn't take it. I uh, can't kick that far. Godly. Okay. Missed out on a few, you know, a couple bucks there. So, other than that, guys, he is Coach Shock. I am Michael Pivio. We will see you next week on the Blue Stable Podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. 
take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.